When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, sports fans. Coach Nick here. and Welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show. Starting a little bit early with Combo getting in there, but we'll maybe edit that out for later. But uh, an amazing game four, epic finish. Uh, it, hard to believe how that all wor- worked out based on what we saw in the first half and then in the third quarter. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Andrew Combo Sellup, who is ready to get down and dirty here with his mic and everything like that. Uh, Combo, great to see you. Uh, I take it you saw that game. I saw the game. Entertaining, very entertaining. It was. It was. It was actually kind of like stressful. I thought, like down the stretch there. Um, I guess Mike Malone had some sort of um, Vulcan mind meld with Jokic and left him in there with five fouls for the last. Uh, I don't know. It was like seven minutes of the game, maybe. Um, usually you wouldn't see that, but I guess it ended up being a really ballsy play because he kept them in the game uh, and he got some scores that they needed uh, on offense for him. As a kid, I went to Manhattan College basketball camp, and I'm not sure if it was the Fran Fischilla or the John Leonard one, but Mike Malone was coaching, and he never showed that side of his personality when he was cursing the ref out tonight, man. That was crazy. He was, and you could hear every, you, could, you couldn't hear it, but you could lip read everything he was saying, man. He was going at him. Yeah. Well, he took that, that technical on purpose, right? I, I, that was clear Probably, to me that, yeah. um, you know, the referees, I thought, struggled in this game. They, they really um, – I mean, it's a tough knockout game. You know, the Lakers are going to claw and scratch as much as they possibly can to, uh, to, to, you know, stay in this game. But, you know, they blew a whole bunch of calls, I felt like. And, in fact, I'm having a discussion with Chip right now about the kickball. Apparently, I, I thought it was a foul. See, I was trying to catch up sometimes when I get a – when I screenshot something and I'm trying to catch up and I don't hear all, always all the um, announcing – so there's that drive where um, Rui strips the ball with his hand, and then his foot kicks the ball afterwards. And uh, the, the ref Tibbin comes in, comes in and calls it a kickball. And I thought they called it a foul. So it didn't make sense to me because they came back, they didn't shoot free throws. So that all now makes sense. It was, at least it was a kick. Uh, but to me, when you bring your arm down and you're in the air like that, your legs will come up. You know, sort of an equal opposite reaction there. And once he um, strips it it kind of feels like you know and he's in the air he's not intentionally kicking it but i suppose you could argue either way on that one um but uh, there's a bunch of weird calls they missed one i mean they had one on Jokic who stripped lebron in the first half and he he man the replay was like he just took his arm off uh and they didn't call it and uh you know but i i think that both teams had equal gripes (laughs) with the refs wouldn't you say yeah, I mean, I thought the Nuggets felt like they were getting the short end of the stick, so they just started hacking the crap out of the Lakers, and they were getting called on it. So yeah. um, there was it was some tough – I mean, look, man, at full speed, it's a little bit different than us watching it on TV and then watching the replay. It is a very tough job. The refs didn't do an absolute great job, but, I mean, the team that should have won, won. We obviously saw that today because LeBron James had an epic game. And they still lost. Like, so I think if you play this series a hundred times, I mean, the Nuggets will win like 95 of them, 90. They're just a better basketball team. Uh, that is true. And that, that's another great point. I mean, they're, they're, they're better. Um, and um, I mean, I'm trying to think of like what else they could have done, what the Lakers could have done. 
you know, they, they, they stuck with um, D'Lo for way too long, and that really, really hurt them. And I think that they could have I mean, these games were close. And, you know, a couple of possessions yeah. here or there, it could have been, you know, 2-1, and then all of a sudden there's some pressure, and, you know, their Lakers are at home to, you know, maybe tie it up. So a lot of things can happen that way. I mean, it was funny. Remember when um, when J.R. Smith did that, that dumb thing at the end of game one of the finals in 2017, maybe that was what it was, I think? Yeah. Um, you know, if they were to have stolen that first game, I mean, I think they got swept the last time. Maybe they got beaten five. Like, it just changes the entire tenor of a series. And so if you get one of those because you've managed something a little bit better in a lineup-wise, um, you know, it could end up being uh, – it could change the whole thing. But, you know, um, it was – LeBron, it was great to see him come on fire in the first half and was hitting threes. Uh, they, they had really no answer. And um, and then it's – you know, it's great. I, I'm doing the, the Celtics video right now. I needed to get it done before the game started. I didn't, so I'm going to drop it like, you know, 6 a.m. on, on East Coast, uh, you know, a few hours. But you'll see how the Celtics do not understand how to manage a game and how to target with a weak link in the defense. But then you watch LeBron do it. And by the way, you watch Butler do it. Those guys are experts at it. They really know how to run their offense to make sure they get the best shot they wanted. And they continue to attack Jokic after the five, the fifth foul. And that was just, you know, great. And I, and I felt like Denver kind of ended up zoning a, a little bit uh, at that point uh, to try and take uh, the pressure off of Jokic in the last couple of possessions. I don't know if you noticed that. I think they had Brown. Um, um, which Brown? Uh, no, who do they have? Bruce. Uh, maybe it was KCP uh, was like just hovering right there in the elbow, right next to uh, uh, Jokic to kind of protect him and, and, and make LeBron pass the ball instead of attack him and get a layup or get a foul. So that was, that was big. And that's what a good experienced team, the good coach does. Yeah. I mean, it's great to see this Denver organization finally get to a finals. Right. I mean, I think that's a good thing. I'd like to ask you a question about, just from a coaching standpoint and an organizational standpoint, do you feel that like we don't give enough credit to the organization and the coaching staff for making Jokic a point center? Like, is that an obvious move? Like, is there a chance that he goes to a different organization and they never put the ball in his hands? Yeah. I mean, I remember when Nur Nurkic was there and uh, Jokic was there. I think I even might, I, I almost got an interview with him. I ended up doing like Gallinari, I think, when he was there instead of Jokic. I was like, I still can't believe it because maybe he was a second year. And so we kind of sensed that he had the passing ability, but I don't know if, if in the very beginning, I have to kind of rack my brains now if they let him like bring it up. Because I want to make, make, a, make a good point about this. And then I'll get, we'll get back to the question, which is um, it's so, as a coach, it's exciting to see him able to grab a tough rebound at the front of the rim and then just push the ball immediately because it forces a mismatch almost every time. If you notice when he did that and he pushed it quick, they had like weird uh, matchups that they couldn't handle uh, with mismatches that the uh, Nuggets could then exploit right away. So that was really important. Uh, you know, one of them was Reeves, um, you know, stuck on somebody or like Aaron Gordon had like Schroeder on. Oh, no, that was another one. Uh, but but you, I'll, I'll have to go through it. You'll see there's a number of times where they got cross matched so badly that they got a really good shot. And that's what Jokic does for you. So, yeah, I don't think so. I don't know if Mike, like a, a non-Mike Malone coach, uh, you know, does that and, and is willing to trade Nurkic, who had ability to and, and was good. Remember, once he got to Portland, they took off and played really well that year, and, and, and he was a vital part of that. So uh, they had to choose, and so they chose Jokic, and that might not have been as easy a call then. And then, again, I agree. Uh, to let him do that uh, was huge. Now, he was doing that in Europe, so there was some, you know, um, you know, 
precedent for him to do that. So it wasn't like completely somebody made that up in the NBA. But yeah, to have the the the, the cojones to do it was uh, it was huge, and we credit should go to uh, I suppose Mike Malone. Yeah, I mean, obviously he'd be a great player no matter where he went. But who knows? Maybe he doesn't get the MVP somewhere else, like where they just don't put the ball in his hand. So I think it's a combination. Obviously, obviously Jokic is all time great at this point. Like it's pretty obvious. But I do think the organization, the coaching staff, deserves some credit as well. For sure. I mean, listen, the way they designed the offense is terrific. And the funny thing is they're running they're running offense from like 1963. <laughs> That's what the Celtics ran in, when the Kuzi and uh, and um, Bill Russell teams did. A lot of the high post entry, split cuts on the weak side. It's all from the original game. Like these guys who invented the game were so smart and who developed, developed the, the, the tactics of the game in the 20s and the 30s. These guys understood how to how to do this, how how a rectangular court. Uh, can exist with players, five players on, moving around uh, a ball and a basket. Um, that's what's exciting to me about you know knowing the history of the game and how they've merged a lot of the fundamental movement that they had designed way back in the day with all of the modern um, uh, skill level. So now you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Uh, and I think that the the Nuggets, the the Warriors, the Kings, uh, the 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 Heat. Also, they're, they're showing us this now, all this sort of common actions that we'd seen from back in the day, but with this incredible shooting and, and dribbling ability, um, that's, uh, it just, here, that's why they're scoring so well. Uh, we have a Super Chat, so let's talk about that for a second. If you want your question answered on the show, Super Chat is the way to go over on YouTube. It helps us keep this show going, uh, and we get to give you some big hype on the screen. So I now need to uh, go scrolling down here. Okay, here we go for the Drew Show. Uh, thank you so much, Drew. Uh, I guess he's a big Drew Carey fan. Um, that's Drew Carey, right? Is that his name? Why does that sound weird? Drew Carey, right? I think so. The host of uh, Price is Right, whatever. Why is it? They, yeah, anyway. Uh, tell how a Celtics loss doesn't cost them a GM, the, co uh, the coach, and Jalen Brown. This run is over for them. It's a rebuild around Tatum. Good luck with that. So I wonder if you hacked my computer, the Drew Show, because the end of my video uh, talks exactly about that, where – um, not that Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum, I mean, I think they proved they could play together and then they can make that work, get all the way to the finals. Um, but I think it's over. I think Brown probably needs to change the scenery. Did you say that last night, by the way? Somebody yeah, definitely. Definitely. I definitely said that. I think like he becomes a superstar somewhere else. I I'm a big believer yeah. in him. I really am. I, I mean, I still kind of am, but my man, I have a little a montage of turnovers and it's like, you know, the, the superstars do not make turnovers like you see Tatum and Brown do uh, in the conference finals. You can't have that, you know. Now, um, the coach is probably going to be sacrificed as well. I don't know if he was, you know, had had. A, I don't think it was just his time. He's not ripe yet. Um, the GM, you know, I don't know. Uh, that is another interesting question. Who's the GM now of the uh, of the Celtics? I can't remember. Their last coach. Oh yeah, Brad Stevens. Before, before 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 Ime. Yeah. Here's a here's a, how, how about this irony. This this hit me and I didn't put it in the video, but here I'll say, share it with you guys now. By the way, please wake up early, watch it at 6 a.m. Eastern time if you're up in that uh, that time because that really helps me get the uh, the view velocity going. But um, I went to Butler and visited Butler for a weekend and watched him run his practices way back in the day when Brad Stevens was there, and uh, he had kind of um, I don't know if it was his. Uh, he, that he invented it, but he kind of, I think, refined the overload of defense to one side. And I remember talking to him about it over that weekend, uh, just sort of saying, you know, that shift was so extreme where he'd have like five defenders on the, over on the midline, the strong side of the ball. 
And I said, like, well, what happens if you play like a, a team that runs Princeton or something that's going to kill you in the backside? He goes, well, then we can adjust, but nobody wants to do that anymore. They all want to dribble the ball in place and you run pick and roll. So we'll load up. And it's basically what the Heat are doing to them. It's kind of fascinating. And they're not adjusting well at all. They're pre-positioned uh, so overloaded towards Tatum and Brown uh, from like even one pass away, violating all my rules. But then again, when you had J- uh, Jalen Brown, J- uh, yeah, Jalen Brown shooting 10% from three in the series and everybody else is shooting 25 or 30%, then yeah, you can completely overload one pass away, dare him to shoot, and then you can adjust later. Yeah, I mean, if you have a guy who's an exceptional passer, I mean, that doesn't work as well because they could hit that weak side corner on demand, like a Luka Doncic, right? Like he'll just, he'll just dissect that and hit people for wide open quarter threes. The strong side corner is open too, but they yeah. haven't really done it. And they've done it a couple of times. I know like Derek White got one and I think he made one, he missed another one and they're good at recovering. So they are pretty good at recovering, but you know, good pro shooters on a, you know, who are, you know, tuned up uh, that, that should, that should be able to light that up. And, um, and, and they haven't been, so it's a nice confluence of events and you can see Spolstra's like keep move farther and farther. We'll adjust if we have to, but if not, and it gets into their head, and this is what we're seeing now in the modern game, we're going to see the collective brain take over when teams start to press uh, and, and feel pressure uh, to make threes if, if they miss a few. It spreads. It becomes a contagion across the entire team, which is why it's so important as a coach to be able to train your players to uh, avoid that. And at the very least, do not add to the agita and to the insanity of when teams start, when your t- players start missing threes. You need to be able to shake them out of that. So the Drew show, I agree. I think that they, uh, they're they going to rebuild around Tatum. They can get a lot, a lot for Brown. Uh, I also said they should just trade smart. I think I said that last night, maybe in this live show, but I say it in the, in the video, so I'll just say it again now. Uh, he There's a ceiling on a team that starts market smart and plays in heavy minutes. There's just going to be a ceiling. I know they got to the finals. And he finally put some things together, but he then, you know, does some of the same stuff that we can keep seeing that are just confounding mistakes and are going to hold the team back. If you really want to get all the way to the top, he can do it if he's playing 24 minutes a game, you know, even as a starter. But you have to be able to mitigate more. He can't be playing the 32, 34 minutes, whatever he's playing now. Uh, I, he just makes too many mistakes and uh, from a key position that you can't have. So. Drew Show, thank you so much. Uh, I'll probably see you on Twitter, too, if I'm not mistaken. That's the same Drew Show. It looks like it, but uh, we'll see him there. But thank you so much. And um, let's see here. Let's get to our next Super Chat. Uh, Bron, is, best friend of the breakdown is not even a good enough term anymore for Bron. Uh, uncle? <laughs> uncle of the breakdown? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to come up with a, a much closer term. But here's what he asks from Canada. Who does Murray and Jokic remind you of stylistically? Constant DHOs, 5-1 pick and rolls. That's so fun. Stylistically, Dirk and Jason Terry are probably Nash. Okay. Um, you go. I think some King stuff goes on, like the old Kings, right? When you're talking about Ooh. Weber and some of their guards, I think we see some of that because Weber was such a great passer. He obviously wasn't the passer Jokic is, but, you know, and those guards were dynamic he had with Jason Williams and even Mike Bibby. Yeah, no, that's a really good call. Um, you know, Gary Harris had this kind of symbiosis with uh, with Jokic before Murray, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe at the same time with Murray. But uh, but it wasn't the same because uh, Murray wasn't quite doing all the little handoff stuff that they do now, where he comes up from underneath and around, and then they play the two-man game. It, it feels like they didn't do that as much as they do now, whereas Harris kept, kept cutting back door every time, and they'd, he'd hit him. 
Um, but as far as like the two man game stuff, yeah, I mean, Nash and Mari Sotomayor could very well be part of that too. It's all rooted in the D'Antoni stuff. Um, you know, uh, you know, you go back to like Kuzi and, um, and Russell would do a little of that too, you know, a little high post stuff. Um, so yeah. And, and again, the, the point we're making is that this is sort of a, they're playing a style of basketball that we've seen just for so long, even though it's a modern game, even though there's a lot more threes that we're being shot. The movement and the teamwork going on is so great. I, I'm telling you, I was showing the kids, you know, the 10, 11, 12, 13, and into the high school kids uh, where, I, where I'm coaching on Saturdays, all of that action. And, uh, and it, I love it. It's so good. Um, we see the, the Heat do it so well, too, where they come off of that handoff. All they have to do is show the left-right footwork. And they don't even have to do a shot fake. And they're going for it. They're converging on them. And they just boop, hit the little pocket pass, and you're off in the races. So uh, just terrific, really fun uh, uh, offense that makes it really difficult. And by the way, what's interesting about Denver and Miami, since they do run a lot of that same action, they should be prepared defensively to guard it. So now we're going to find out like how well that'll work. If anyone's going to guard Denver in, in those, um, in those actions, uh, I think the heat will probably do this good a job as anybody in the league. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting matchup. If, I mean, I think we're assuming that the heat will be in it with Denver and the heat because I know everybody's talking about how nobody will be interested because of the small markets, but from a basketball standpoint, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Now Stockton and Malone is interesting because I'm kind of, I don't get the same vibes in my, in my hard drive of my brain trying to it's, picture. It's, it's more, it's more, it's more rigid. Writing. It's more rigid and less flow. Yeah. I mean, they, they did a lot of sort of UCLA high posts. They did a lot of like triangle ish or Princeton stuff, but I don't remember them. Like, I don't remember seeing like, um, you know, uh, Malone at the high post of like like uh, Stockton like running around for handoffs. I see much more of like he just go up and set a ball screen for him and roll, and then they come back or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, screen re screen stuff. I, mean, I don't. I can't picture that. So I might be wrong, but that's not my picture right now. In my brain. Well, I mean, Jokic was so much more a facilitator than Carl Malone was, and Murray and Stockton aren't even of the same mold. Like Stockton's a pure point guard, and Jamal Murray's not even really a point guard in a lot of ways. He's more of a combo guard or a two guard or a scoring guard. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like just their style of play individually doesn't even match up, you know? Yeah. We had another good question coming up and I, I'm, I'm actually like kind of skimming through the game right now to get to the third quarter, because the question is, let's say, and then thank you so much, Bron, for that awesome question. Love it. Uh, but the next super chat is Barth 3,400 from Canada. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Hoser. Why was LeBron less aggressive in the second half? Now, you know, I, I was kind of scanning it, watching it, trying to see everything that's going on. So I'm trying to picture now exactly what was going on with why. You know, we see this with LeBron, right? LeBron will get completely disconnected from the offense. He'll just throw the ball to someone else, let them bring it up, and just sort of be detached. And um, it's really – it could very well be he gets tired. He doesn't have the energy to do that. I mean, that's probably a good answer. What do you think? Question again? Why is LeBron so, um, you know, not um, – uh, what should we call it? Uh, aggressive in the, th in the third yeah, quarter. Yeah, he, he was tired. Like, you saw him grabbing his shorts after a defensive play. I think he was guarding Jokic, you know, and then he was talking to the refs a little bit. He was exhausted. I mean, the guy is older now, and he dropped 31 in the first half. So, I mean, he just had nothing left at a certain point, even though he was still getting to the basket and scoring here and there. Like, that third, that first half took a lot out of him. And, you know, they, he needed help down the stretch. And guys were getting looks, but they just weren't knocking down shots. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually watching like the first the first opening uh, play of the second half. You know, he he buries himself in the corner, and then you know, AD came over to to maybe hand off to him. And he didn't move, and AD dribbles the ball off his foot. <laughs> so, 
you know, there, that's what happens. And I think tired is certainly probably the most uh, the, the clearest answer for that. Um, you can't be tired in the knockout game, unfortunately. But when you're 38, you played that many, you know, uh, seasons and that many extra seasons in the postseason. I don't know. Yeah, it, it just it's hard to do that. And also, I think he knew he needed it in the fourth quarter. So the third quarter, he was going to make sure he conserved as much energy as possible. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the rest of the Lakers decided to miss a bunch of layups. Now that was it. Fascinating to me how many layups they missed. And then you know when you do the when I do the breakdown tomorrow, whenever it is, as quickly as I can, you're going to see. So many good three-point shots in the first half that the Nuggets missed that you sensed they were going to start making them, and maybe even some of the hard ones too. And so you combine giving up those open shots like they were doing. They were not playing very good defense in that first half, uh, but they were there because they were missing those shots. So you combine that with then you miss a bunch of layups, and now that then they come right back. They get enough of a lead. They felt good about themselves because, you know, Denver, if you kept them down enough, if you kept them down eight, nine points throughout that third quarter, you might have had something there in the fourth where they're kind of just shaky. They can't, you know, quite get a hold of themselves. But then it turns out that the Lakers kind of got shaky toward the end, and they were falling apart a bit um, and then ultimately broke. So, um, again, uh, LeBron is, is uh, we're, we're, you know, we're seeing the decline. You know, the decline is slow and it is still very impressive what he can do, especially at that age. No one else has ever done that. We probably will, will ever do this. Uh, but um, it is what it is. And uh, as a result, they're going to need, uh, you know, more help, which is an interesting thing for the Lakers. So what are they going to do with AD? Yeah. And right. Aaron, yeah, Aaron Gordon played really good today. I think that's something that we haven't talked about yet because, you know, he was knocking down threes. He was a willing shooter. And the way he finishes underneath the rim, like his athleticism off too just incredible like he just he gets up like a rocket ship um just such a great role player i mean they got so many great role players at bruce brown and him and uh yeah. kcp and he's just he's so physical um you Defensively, know LeBron, i mean i mean Bron obviously had a great game but he, he was he was playing you know he was playing deep yeah and, he, and, he, and he's wearing lebron out that way too so he can absorb uh, a lot of that lebron uh energy uh and hold his ground it better than pretty much uh, there's very few players in the, in the in the league, I think, that can do that as well as Aaron Gordon could. So, you know, that that's the guy that you needed to get if, if LeBron was going to be in your way. And I, I know that that's why they got him originally. Uh, and, and he came through again for them down the stretch, just kind of wore him out. And then, you know, yeah, he was pretty good uh, offensively. If you see him rush his three, he'll, he tends to make those. And when he hops into the three, he gets much better rhythm. It's when he doesn't, and he gets a two-motion thing, and it's really kind of ugly uh, is when he can. And hopefully somebody can, can just unlock that a little bit because if he could ever get to 36%, 37% from three-point land, Watch, he did that already. I know he, he's had fits and starts in his career. But let me just check really quickly what Aaron. And also, I think during the regular season, the shot was looking a little bit better than it has in the playoffs. Even though he was making them today, it kind of looked a little more two motion than it did during the regular season. Yeah, so he was uh, <laughs> second half of his career this year at three, 347. Almost there. He just needs to get another point or two up there, and then he's going to be like like uh, just a real tough uh, two-way player, uh, that, you, that a championship team needs. And that's, you know, he'll be, I'm sure he'll be crucial for them in the finals. He, he so, made, uh, he, yeah, he made one in the corner that I was surprised he made. Cause it just didn't seem like it came off his hand. Yeah. Right. Like the transfer yeah. was bad. Yeah, was he, he was, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It looked like a two handed shot almost. Like it felt like he kind of threw it with both hands. It was weird. Right. 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 I was surprised that one went in. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Barth. We got they're rolling in here. We've got to catch up here because we're behind now. Uh, forgive me for the delay, Ven. But thank you so much, Ven. Lakers need better offense. Um, yeah. What do you think? Do they need better offense? 
I mean, they made a defensive play today by taking Dilo out, even though he hasn't been good and putting Rui in. So they obviously thought it was the other way around. But um, what team doesn't need more I offense? He's talking about the actual what they're running on offense, right? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, look, LeBron-centric teams. This is how they look. But like, although I, that's why I thought, like, I like this LeBron team maybe more than almost all the other ones. Why? Because he played because he played off the ball a little bit more now. Yeah, and, and you know, even though I said he, was, he gets he gets disconnected at times and buried in the corner, or whatever, um, he does participate uh, <laughs> on the weak side and moves a little bit too. Um, and I was looking at the ATOs, and it, it's all very much. I mean, everyone's kind of running a very similar version of, of offense. You know, handoff, ball screens, reversal, drive kick stuff. So, and then they're doing all of that, and they're doing stuff with high posts with AD. So, I thought that they did a pretty good job, sort of stitching it all together. Um, and as a result, guys like Austin Reeves could find uh, a lot of opportunities himself. He's he's made a lot of money for himself this year, mm-hmm. and I, I don't. I, I think the Lakers are not going to make the same mistake they did when they lost uh, Caruso, and they're going to keep uh, Reeves. Um, and that, that, but I, I, if I were the Lakers, I would, I would probably trade AD. I, I would, I would, you know, this is his most, the highest value you're going to ever get for him now. I think he's only going to go down from here. So you might as well trade him now and get the most you can from him, uh, for him and, uh, and give LeBron maybe one more shot at it. You know, they're talking about, um, Kyrie maybe coming to the Lakers. You see that? Yeah, I've seen that. I mean, who are you trading AD for? Dame Lillard? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, or, or maybe that's part of the thing, like the Kyrie trade or, t- or something. Or is Kyrie unrestricted? Yeah, but he made a handshake deal that he's going to go back. That's that's what they're saying. Oh, we did? Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it's Kyrie. But anyhow, uh, I. But the bottom line is with the Lakers' offense, I thought it was fine. I thought what they did was fine. And you know what? I mean, overall, let's just really quickly look at what their, their offensive rating was. Um because that, I'm kind of curious in my mind's eye. I'm picturing them up there for the regular season, at least. So the Lakers ranked – oh, you know what? Am I wrong? Lakers ranked – oh, they were 19th in offensive rating. So that's actually an interesting, you know, for the regular season, a compelling point. They did miss a bunch of uh, te- uh, games by their big guys. But let's see. They were 113.9 offensive rating in their regular season. And then in the, in the playoffs, uh, they don't have tonight's game, probably not. But um, – they were where the Lakers here. Lakers uh, 112. So it even went down. I mean, and there's, 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 should be a little bit of a drop generally when you're playing against tougher defenses. So I understand that. But yeah, that was, um, yeah, that's interesting. They weren't as efficient as they need to be without question if they wanted to make a deeper run. So good call, Van. Uh, they, hopefully they'll develop that for next year. Thanks, Jason Van. Kelly. Thank you so much, Jason. Oh, come back on here. Uh, thank you. Very generous super chat. Really, really appreciate it. Um, offer AD for either Kawhi or Jalen Brown lowers the ceiling, but it raises the floor. Kawhi, I wouldn't touch with the template pole. Sorry, Kawhi would not even wouldn't even get near him. But Jalen Brown, we're talking about him being traded. We're talking about AD being traded. What do you think? Is that an interesting matching? Um, I feel like AD would play better off LeBron than Jalen Brown does. And I don't think that's the place to unlock Jalen Brown, in my opinion. But I mean, he's a great player that could help anybody. But that's not really where I want to see Jalen Brown play. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, look, look at Austin <coughs> Reeves can exist that way. Jalen uh, Brown could do that and be even better. Yeah, they're just, I mean, look, I mean, Jalen Brown's a higher level player than Austin Reeves, but Austin Reeves does a little bit better job of connecting the team, playing off, moving without the ball. Um, really good in pick and roll. He's just a different type of player than Jalen Brown. I think he compliments LeBron a little bit better. That's fair enough. And also, if they keep Austin Reeves and start him, then it's interesting who are they going to start alongside him in the backcourt? Um, because 
like a guy like Kyrie would probably diminish Reeves' opportunities, which is which would be too bad because he, you know, he's sneaky good like that, really good passer too. Almost to the point where like, okay, great, have him be like the the point guard, you know. Although we know LeBron will do a lot of that too, and, uh, and then you know, get a, a bigger guard who you know maybe just a three and D guy. <coughs> well, also it depends on what big you could get, right? With Jalen Brown from the Celtics, I don't know, or somewhere else. Like you would have to build, you would have to, you would have to build around that in a different way because you would be losing so much on that front with AD gone. Yeah, like it would probably be something like Robert Williams and Jalen Brown for like AD and something and yada yada and a pick or whatever. I don't know. Um, that would be interesting, but yeah, hey, listen, I, I love the, these scenarios, but uh, certainly, um, uh, really a lot of food for thought there, Jason. Thanks so much. Um, let's get to our next Thanks, one. Need to catch up here. So we have um, Daryl Thomas. Thank you so much, Daryl. Oh my goodness, really generous. Thank you. Um, thoughts on AD's play? They put him top seventy-five over Dwight Howard. Shake my head. No way. An injured thirty-eight-year-old plays more minutes than you and want it more. Trade. Um, so what are we thoughts on on AD? Let me let me just uh, throw out his numbers right now. AD tonight was uh, forty minutes, six for fifteen from the field, nine for ten from the free throw line, twenty-one points. 14 rebounds, um, an assist and a steal, and three blocks. Not enough. They needed him to be their best player every game. And that didn't happen. Yeah. That's also part of the offensive thing where he has to rely on someone else to get him the ball. And uh, on every possession. Every time he scores, he has to rely on someone else to kind of run something to get him. Now, he can ISO at the elbow, which he, he'll do. Uh, but again, he kind of needs to make sure that someone gets in the ball, but then he needs to make sure he gets open and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that, that might be a bit of a Darvin Ham thing, too. You know, he might he might need to be like, guys, run this play and then run this play again and let's feed him on the left. I can't picture him posting him on the left block tonight. Did, did you? Can you picture him? No. And I think. What, yeah, I think what frustrates people about A.D. is that the talent level is so high and it feels like he doesn't maximize it. Like, I think that's why people love Jimmy Butler and, and Jokic at this point so much because they feel like they maximize their talent, right? Like, they yeah. got they got everything they could out of the talent that they have, and I feel like it's the opposite way, AD. Yeah, and any, anytime the, when it ratchets it up and it gets uh, more physical with him, he kind of just gets disconnected too and sort of it's not really his game. He gets knocked on the floor a couple times, gets a little bit nervous. Does he feel engaged? Uh, if you were coaching him, would you feel that he's engaged all the time? No, definitely not. And I'm on both ends of the floor, uh, defensively too. I, I mean, he was so good defensively for like the Warriors series. Um, and I, you know, again, this is a whole other animal uh, playing against the Nuggets. A lot more movement, a lot more like, you know, uh, athletes who can attack uh, and make you really have to deal. And then he, but he still made some good plays. Those three blocks were good. He really, he really was able to have a, an effect, but not enough. I agree. And then offensively, yeah, you need him to have, you know, 28 points on high efficiency or something like that to uh, to keep him in these games. But again, it, there's a notion of what's he going to do? If he's not getting the ball. But then again, the notion is, well, he's not calling for the ball or he's not commanding that post up, which you can kind of circumvent certain offenses, right? You can roll and get there and be there for them versus just sort of floating around and not getting, not getting the spots where you can score. So uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a, I never really was an AD fan, but I, you know, I thought he, he did a really good enough job in the bubble that they got that title. Um, and he hit that three. Remember that three he hit? That was like maybe to beat Denver uh, in the in the conference finals. Was that what it was? Um, 
and which um, I thought, you know, was like, whoa, here's a guy who's making real plays, real superstar plays. But uh, ultimately, uh, he's just not a guy you can rely on. Kawhi is not a guy you can rely on either uh, injury wise now. So uh, it's time to move on. Uh, So Daryl, great question, by the way. Uh, They put him top 25 over Dwight Howard. Do you believe? And he wrote basically shaking his head. So he's shaking his head. Um, Do you believe that he's a higher level player than Dwight Howard, Coach Nick? And it's it's rough because, you know, Dwight never had a, like any kind of a perimeter game like AD does. So he's more skilled, I suppose. He's got more variable to his game. But Dwight was probably even more of a one man wrecking crew on defense uh, consistently than AD ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, man, that's a tough one. I think that, you know, there's a bias towards what we saw from Dwight the last five years of his career. So you might forget like what he really was, which was a dominant center that could bring it like a, a team of a ragtag group of the guys to the yeah. finals. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, like like he carried a team more than AD ever did. To like the depth of the finals, even though, well, actually they won one together. So they, they both won a championship, but yeah, that's true. But like, yeah. but like they, he carried, he could carry a team farther. It feels like on his own, not uh, on his yeah. own. Obviously they had some really good players like Turkaloo and all these guys, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was a good team around him, but um, but you know he was a, such a devastating uh, force defensively right. that I don't think AD has ever had that effect. Uh, but AD has more variation on it for the offense, so it's an interesting trade-off how you do that. It's close. It's, it's like really tra- close. it's like the Charles Barkley thing. He was more of a bus driver, right, than AD was. Like LeBron, yeah, okay. was a bus driver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, let's get. Thank you, Daryl. Uh, Jay Delgado, two sixteen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Denver was better top to bottom with a lot of firepower, and it's mind-blowing how Ham only removed D'Lo from the starting lineup until the, uh, the final game. I mean, listen, absolutely. Uh, I, in game two, I was watching with a coach friend of mine, and we were both thinking that, he, that we didn't know which team D'Lo was playing for. His shot selection was so bad. And yet he continued to get minutes um, in, in that game and then you know into the game three. So really, really strange. I'm not really sure – you know, that could just really be, very well be a rookie coach and nervous to make changes and know how D'Lo was going to react and didn't want to make it into a locker room problem. I don't know. But um, D'Lo, I thought, actually responded today. I thought he got in there and he seemed a little bit more engaged defensively. He was trying to make some plays and he made some shots on the offensive side. So that's probably the, the role he's supposed to have anyway, right? Come off the bench. He, I, I mean, I'm going to guess he played uh, 19 minutes tonight. Let's see what he ended up playing. He kind of got that um... – Super talented guy, to be honest. And it kind of reminds me of what we were just talking about AD when it comes to his demeanor. It's almost like the too cool type of thing, right? Like um, yeah. sometimes he doesn't show as much effort as he needs to. Yeah. And, and it's not like he, that he looks like that. Like Tracy McGrady looked like he wasn't trying when he was. Russell doesn't try. I mean, like there's no question. There's times that he really <laughs> doesn't, you know, he's not really trying. But he was the only only Laker, one of only two Lakers that have a positive plus minus tonight in 15 minutes. I was pretty close. I said 19, 15 minutes uh, of playtime. So that's probably a good sweet spot on a really good team. Have him come off the bench, give him his 16 or 18 minutes, whatever, um, you know, get going uh, and shoot, you know, shoot some threes, shoot some twos, maybe get a, a couple dimes uh, and get him out of there before he really hurts you profoundly on the other end. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's the problem. But again, um, if you're a younger coach, I suppose, you, you know, there, there are adjustments. Maybe you have to learn over time to do that. Um, the, the, you know, the lineup stuff is interesting to me because eventually I would imagine it's going to be all automated. It'll be AI generated in real time and you'll know exactly who to put in based on who's out there, what part of the, 
the, the game, uh, whether they're tired or not. You know, they have maybe they'll have sensors that you're allowed to have on this on the, on the uniform. Um, you know what I mean? So I would I would love as a coach to take that part out of the, the equation because it's still by gut. You still you just see coaches kind of making it up on the fly. And I feel like that's not as fair to the players. Uh, you, there's probably a better way to do it. Maybe AI will be playing one day. Oh, there you go. Maybe they'll, 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 they'll install AI's brain into another player and, and, and he'll play again. Uh, the Drew Show back. Thank you so much. Trading Brown for a shot at Scoot. Danny Angewood. I don't know. Danny Angewood never pulled a trigger on any damn move. He had so many of those picks. They would never do anything with him. Um, but, I, you know, have you watched Scoot play? Yeah, yeah, I've watched Scoot play. But Danny Age pulled a good move. This, 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 uh, I mean, he got uh, marketing in that deal back from, um, he you did. know, yeah, that, that was that was good. Like he did really well, I thought, with that move. Uh, yeah, well, that, I mean, yeah, trading Rudy Gobert was a good move. Uh, yeah, yeah, applause <laughs> for for how many first? Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, I, anybody I, can deal. Yes, I've seen Scoot play. Uh, give me your thoughts. I really haven't seen him yet. I mean, he has some high level uh, potential. Like his ceiling is really high. Um, I like Brandon Miller a little bit better than him, and a lot of people would have Scoot at you know number two but i would actually have brandon miller at number two but you know he had well, a, what happened, his stock was so high that if it wasn't for Wembenyama, he would have been number one and then all and, of a sudden yeah in most, like in most drafts he'd be number one you know okay, he's kind of so like he has, he's his athleticism's kind of of the mold of like a derrick rose john wall oh maybe maybe not quite there but he's really athletic he can make shots he's a playmaker nice handle um could play both threes. sides of the floors yeah and it's improving i mean it's improving and he got like he could get his um he got a bag like he could score but um he, it was a little bit of a regression this season in the G League he actually was a little bit it was a little bit better his first year in the G League and he shut it down early which was kind of weird so he did have some injuries this year but he has a really high ceiling like he's really dynamic he got that like speed like John Wall Derrick Rose ish Wow. All right. I got to get my eyeballs on him. Once the, uh, maybe the final start, I have some time to go look at some of the prospects because uh, we'll do some videos, but uh, there you go. Uh, so would they trade Brown for a shot at Scoot? Like, I don't think so. I don't think you, you, um, you know what you have in Brown. And if you were going to trade him, I think you'd want to get something back that you already know is an existing commodity in the NBA. Right. That would be a tough one to like, you know, really, unless it was Wembenyama, uh, I wouldn't, I, you know, you, you never know what those crapshoot, uh, you know, uh, picks are. You just, you, you'd, I would rather do a, a trade for somebody known, uh, a known entity. So there you go, Drew Show. Thank you so much. And here, oh my goodness, Aaron Walker, thank you. This is incredibly generous of a, a super chat. Like, I, I, uh, I don't even know. Do you, I guess, do you know Aaron Walker combo? He seems to know you. Oh, I know Aaron. Yeah, I just saw him at the gym the other day. That's my guy, man. Shouts to Aaron. He was talking about our show, so I appreciate you, Aaron. <laughs> All right, well, he's throwing you some shekels uh, for, for his man combo. So, uh, Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you. Thank, thank you. Him. Uh, wow, thank you. Well, I wish he had a question. We would answer it, but uh, we'll just uh, give him a high five and thank you, thank you. But if, you, if I see a question in there in the comments, just you know, throw it in there. I'll, I'll grab it and we'll answer it anyway. Uh, let's get to our next super chat. I'm sorry. We're, we're so far behind, but these questions are so good that we want to answer them, uh, properly, but let's see here. We have, um, Sean, here we go. Sean, go back there. Sean Heige, should AD have been up with LeBron in the last four seconds? You mean that maybe that's set a ball screen? Is that what we're thinking? Um, I mean, well, I mean, is that enough time for all that? I guess so. Let me go back. Let me see if I can see that last possession real quick. Uh, oh, God, I might have to hold the button down. I don't know if I'm going to go back far enough. But um, let me try this, dragging it. 
Is it not going to work? I'm not gonna... Oh, come on. Um, I'm trying to remember now what the final play was. Oh, you know what? I, I tweeted it out so I can watch it there real quick. Um, let's go to my profile. Should be my last tweet. Oh, where is it? Here it is. Okay. So uh, LeBron curls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's a play they've run for LeBron a lot where they curl him around at the top. Um, so I guess the question then is, yeah, so he wants to know, should AD have been up with LeBron in the last four seconds? Again, what is that? Does that do you think that means should he have picked and rolled with him? Yeah. Do you think there's enough time for all that? Yeah, not really, because you know, there's what there's like four seconds. Yeah, just so, like like, well, like to, to properly set up a pick and roll and read it right, it takes some time, you know. It's all about reads and how you come off. Yeah, that, yeah. So you know. I, I think they got a pretty good. Well, here's the thing about the last shot. Let's talk about that for a second because when you get a last shot and the last possession to either tie or win the game, and you go to the basket, it it really might not be worth it, honestly. Unless it was like you had the quick lane, you can get it. Like you know, when LeBron did that play against Paul George, and Paul George wigged out in Indiana, and he got the layup because he got it on the wrong side of him. Um, but once you get into it where there's like bodies and it's crowded in there and the referees now have to get involved, it's a risk, uh, to do that. And that's what we saw happen here. Now that was all clean, right? That when we saw the replay of that final shot by LeBron, like, uh, Jamal Murray was clean with his block and they were in the right, right. Isn't my, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Am I? Mm -mm. So, um, you know, that's the problem. Uh, that's why you'll see ISOs from three, you know, or in the perimeter, because at least you'll get like a clean look and maybe you get a chance to hit it. Uh, you get in there and especially at LeBron's age, that's the other problem was I, I wouldn't have called that for LeBron like that. I mean, I guess they were hoping maybe they get a foul. But again, let's not forget referees tend to swallow the whistles for good or for bad. Uh, it, they, You know, you're really going to have to get mugged for them to call. It. And LeBron, if anybody knows that, because they, they didn't call it for him against the Celtics uh, earlier in the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's tough to get in there and score, and then you got a chance to win if you do shoot the three. It's almost like pickup. Like you're, it's going to be harder to win the game on a drive or a post up than hitting a three, even if it's a tough shot. Uh, absolutely. Well, we have another one from SJ, um, which is let's see here, SJ, where did you go at eight fifty one? Oh my goodness, we're so far behind. Uh, so many awesome comments, by the way. I'm seeing everybody in there. Uh, let's get to SJ. Here it is. Now, there's no question. But what they kind, threw what kind of what kind of currency is, is that? that? Is that the one or what is that? I don't know what that uh, symbol is, but uh, but someone tell us in the, uh, May, in the comments. Maybe it's what dollar currency? for dollar. That'd be good. Yeah, right, man. That'd be really nice if that was seven thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> it's um, it's Japanese yen. No, it's it's uh, something that will someone will tell us. I'm sure. Um, but no question. Uh, but you know, uh, thank you. We so appreciate much. you. Pray, prayer yeah. emoji right here. Prayer emoji for you. There you go. And uh. <laughs> There you go. Thumbs, uh, you know, on the Google chat, you know, when you, you have the thumb, you know, yeah. anyway. Um, well, thank you. And, and SJ, again, if you have a question you want to ask, uh, just throw it in the comments and, and I'll try and find it. But knowing that there's a thousand comments in here, I don't know if I'm missing anything. But uh, that was his first super chat ever. So, again, we have a rookie. Uh, you know, he is now a, no longer a rookie. Uh, we have another one, though, from James. So if we, he was on a super chatter in the last uh uh, show we had last night so thank you so much james let me get down there where we find it here at 901 oh my goodness gracious um here we go james lamonis thank you again uh, again super chatter galore uh do the heat have a chance against the nuggets uh, great, question. great question great question of the question especially as we're getting a little bit closer to the end of the show um what do you think combo how could i keep 
going against them, right? Like, you know, I always talk about how I love their coaching staff. A friend of mine's actually on their coaching staff. I love the way they play. Jimmy is playing like a top two player in these playoffs. Like it's him and Jokic. Um, they're moving the ball, the role players. We always talk, like I keep saying like they're at a talent deficit, but maybe they're not. Maybe back then the people had it wrong who was who were recruiting him and drafting him. Maybe they all had it wrong, man. Maybe these guys' talent is way higher than I think. Um and I also do think that, you know, if Tyler Hero comes back eventually, that everybody, you know, everybody's saying he's they're playing better without him. Obviously, some of that's because of the defense. They don't have as many ducks. And then on offense, it's one, uh, you know, he's a guy that doesn't really manage. He kind of just like goes, goes, goes. But I think him coming off the bench could actually give them a little bit of a boost and boost their ceiling. Um, I love the way they're playing. And I can't, I can't say anymore that they have no chance. They have a chance. That's the yeah, answer to the I question. They have a chance. I'd be very wary, though, of bringing um, um, uh, Hero back. He hasn't played. He's going to be rusty. It's going to disrupt all the chemistry. We saw that happen with the. So, with the, so uh, if he's healthy, you just say don't play, Tyler. I I, I would be I I may, like maybe test out a little bit, you know, and 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 get rid of it real quick. That ain't working. But we saw that happen uh, with Orlando Magic when they went to the finals uh, against the Lakers. Skip to my Lou. Skip What's to that? My Lou. Ray for Austin, right? No, I'm talking about um, who went to St. Joe's, the little point guard um, who's stocky. Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson, thank you. Uh, Jameer, right? I'm pretty sure it's Jameer Nelson, who was terrific for them all year. Got hurt. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Oh, Ray I, for I, I, saying. Yeah, Ray for Alston was the guy playing well for them. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, I thought to do that. Right. We so, Because so, he's been on my pod. We talked about it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. he comes back, and uh, and it, I think it ended up not. It was just sort of disruptive. It kind of it, it didn't it didn't work uh, as well as it had been working before without him. So I again, I would be very wary of, of doing it, uh, and really be quick to yank it if it's not if it's not working right away. Um, you know, and then again, I, I don't understand who's going to really guard Jokic. I mean, they'll throw uh, Zeller out there to be some fouls uh, and be physical. But, um, you know, I don't know how Bam I, – I, can you picture Bam guarding him in the regular season? I, I have to go back and look at that footage. Who, Jokic? Uh, yeah, Bam against Jokic. Yeah, I mean, that's what – I mean, Jimmy's going to have to <laughs> – that's going to be a crazy mismatch. I mean, like, if you the problem is if Bam guards him, they have nobody help side. You saw how, like, Rui was guarding Jokic and you still had AD help side, which, I mean, obviously didn't work. They got swept, but it's better than what the Heat have defensively. To your uh, yeah. point, to, to your whole point about the Magic, though, I feel like that's a little bit different because back then, like, point guards were really point guards and they controlled everything. I feel like Tyler could just be, like, a complimentary piece and not have the basketball every time like Jameer had in a way and just play off Jimmy, you know? Fair enough, fair enough. And by the way, that was, if you listen to them carefully, when I guessed what that currency was, it was the won, the Korean won. So thank Is you. Is it so dollar much. to dollar? It was, uh, it's worth a little under $6 is what oh. he uh, gave us. So again, oh, very thank generous. You. Thank, thank you. you so thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, but that thing, and I knew that we could, they come through. So thank you, uh, Riven and, uh, 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 Jin soul. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that, but forgive me if I didn't, uh, always great to get the, uh, the good reference and the good information from the chat. Um, so, but did the, so the cheat, did the Heat have a chance? They have a chance. Again, we cannot pick against them anymore. I will not make that mistake again. Um, it's just going to be a real interesting chess match to figure out how they want to deal with Jokic. I mean, you know, are you going to put Struess on him, you know, and like somehow front him, you know, and then maybe Bam can can play the backside and tip away all the lobs they're going to try and throw to him in there? Zeller, Zeller, love. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can't start Zeller, I don't think. 
uh, or, or yeah, there, I'm sorry, Love. If Love is healthy, I don't know what his deal is now, but if Love is healthy, uh, but you can't really rely on him. He's going to break down, you know, in, in one game within one game if he's going to have to get bang against uh, Jokic for for, you know, he'll give you what twenty minutes tops. I don't know if he can handle that because Jokic is a load. Um, so so that's going to be a problem uh, for them big time. Now they could zone it and stuff like that, and then hope that they miss uh, like they did in the first half in the, of today's game. But uh, that's a lot of hope. Uh, so I, I don't give them a huge chance. I, I probably give them. You know, maybe a twenty percent chance of winning the series against the Nuggets. Yeah, I'll go fifteen twenty. Also, maybe Spo has some tricks up his sleeve. We will see. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what what the tricks would be. You could sandwich him, but again, you know, you'd pick like if Bruce Brown is in, you could ignore him uh, and and hope he doesn't do any damage because he can. But you hope, like you know, uh, you, you know, you got to pick one guy, right? And that's going to be like Bruce Brown would be the guy they have to try and you know ignore. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon would probably be a guy they would try to ignore and hope he doesn't cut, you know, <laughs> but uh, that's a lot of uh, a lot of wishing and hoping. Martin Jose, uh, best friend of the breakdown. Thank you so much, Martin. Uh, Denver got to run more plays for MPJ. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. How many points did he have? Because uh, let's see here. He, I, I'd he, say around 15, right? Yeah, he scored 15 exactly. Uh, but yeah. he, and he wasn't very efficient. Five for 16 and three for 10 from three um 10 boards though he was boarding really nicely so you know i i think he is so good offensively he could just in the flow you know get his 15 20 points without you know too much trouble uh but yeah it, it would you know if, if they were to run more for him uh and get him involved in the two-man game with Jokic a little bit I, I they don't really do that right i would love to see him get some pick and rolls with Jokic setting ball screens yeah i think that makes sense i think the offense wouldn't Con there would be less continuation with MBJ. It'll probably just be like handoff, shot up, right? Like with Jamal right. Murray, you go handoff, handoff, back handoff, pick and roll. Then you could get it to Murray. Uh, then you could get it to, you know, MPJ. But if you go MPJ handoff, he's probably going to put that thing up. Oh, yeah. And that's his role. But you never know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you could put a lot of pressure on a defense with a maybe hand it off to MPJ into a ball screen for y from Jokic. Fake handoff, Jokic might work, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think it would be nice because that that action, that the pistol action or the 21 action that we talk about a lot uh, is very interchangeable. You know, you could have Michael Porter Jr. being handing it off to Jokic coming around. You know, you could do all that stuff like that. So um, it would be fun to see them open that up and really make it difficult for the for the heat to deal with um, or out of necessity have to do that because the heat have really been taking them out of their normal stuff. Cause they help. I mean, you, I can't believe how far they come off from one pass away to show, uh, you know, help. It really shouldn't work. Uh, but the Celtics are kind of broken in that way. They don't know how to attack that. Well, they're not reading it. Well, here's the irony is the article we finally found out, by the way, I have been expressing for a year. We haven't, we never figured out what happened in the middle of the year last year that made the Celtics go from a very average team to the finals, right? They, they just started passing the ball more. And you can see the stat numbers of, of the passing. It's just like an incredible, huge run. And then in the video you'll see tomorrow, what was fascinating was is that they maintained that passing all the way through this, this, this year. So their, their offensive rating was second in the league, and it was it made, they, they maintained the, their high passing numbers throughout the whole year. And as soon as the playoffs started, they dropped precipitously. So they go from like 270-some passes per game to like 250. It's a huge drop-off, you know, by a huge percentage. And it didn't bother them in the first two rounds. They still had a really high offensive rating because they were playing against, you know, the Hawks and the Sixers. Both are not very good defensive teams. 
but you go into the buzzsaw of the heat defense and all of a sudden you're not moving the ball as much. You're not skipping it. You're not getting those open shots and that feelings and, and, and you can't score. And their offensive rating dropped eight points uh, in that, in this series. Uh, and they can't get easy shots. And it's, and then the more they do it, the more, the more they miss, the more the defense gets slides up closer and closer and pushes up higher and higher. And then they really can't, now you can't get to the basket. And uh, it's been a real fascinating uh, series. Do you think this was just the perfect matchup for the Heat? Is that what it was? Or, like, what do you think about um, that? Certainly. I mean, like, who would who else in the East would have been tougher for them? Like, you know, because, like, like, I'm not a fan of Doc. So would, would, would Doc's teams, the way they're prepared on offense, like, do better? Probably not. You would you you'd have needed, like, a Kings or a Warriors or, a, you know, th- those are the teams that would really hurt, um, hurt uh, the Heat defense. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're right. That kind of like that equal opportunity read and react type offense, right? I would think so. I mean, because I would think when you do the the the, the isocentric stuff that like of Embiid, they would be able to bother him. He would do a spin. He the guys are on top of him as he's turning, and then they can knock the ball loose, whatever. And then you know, uh, the funny thing is, is like what I feel like Bam could do a better job one on one in the post against Embiid versus Jokic. That's an interesting question. I don't know. What do you what do you think? Who he could do better against? Yeah, I mean, I just think Jokic is a better player. I've been saying that all year. So I think for most guys, that's a tougher matchup. But Embiid is obviously like his ISO scoring game is elite. Like you can't take that away from like he had a bad last game against the Celtics. But his just skill set as a score, like in the high post, down low, mid range, like his hezzy pull is phenomenal. Like he's a better like get in your bag scorer than Jokic. But Jokic is just such a better all around player, in my opinion, than Embiid. Yeah, well, I, 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 mean, I agree. And I think, um, you know, he's, he's, he's more of a beast down low. He's more of a low, yeah, even though yeah. Embiid is as big as he is. Embiid, you know, is, doesn't use it like that. And also Jokic picks his spots. Like he won't do it every time. He does it when he has to. Like this last play I'm watching right here where he made the same leg layup. Like he kind of saves stuff like that for when he really needs it. He'll play calm. He'll play calm. And then boom, like you won't even be ready for it. Absolutely. Well, listen, we, are we, you know what, we're going to do a, one tomorrow, I guess, after the next game, we can talk about the coaching stuff going on in Milwaukee and across the uh, the league right now, because there's some interesting stuff and maybe we'll get some more information by tomorrow. Uh, you know, it's either Kenny or Nick nurse or Kenny Atkinson or Nick nurse in Milwaukee. So we'll find out uh, probably tomorrow. Who's who do you think is it, Who do you think is a better fit? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I, you know, I kind of think that, um, uh, either one is, is, is good. And they're, and they're equally out of the box thinkers. They're, they're both probably going to have, have a similar feels of the bucks as they're interviewing them. Um, and so, uh, the only question is, do they want some of that warrior shine? You know, that, that maybe that gives Kenny a little leg up. Uh, that said, there wasn't much of a shine because they didn't do so well in that last series against well, the Lakers. The, the King, they it did well with the Kings with the Mike Brown warrior shine, right? It did. It, you know, that's, and by the way, that would be a good argument for Kenny. So I don't know. I, mean, I might lean for like maybe Kenny getting that job. We'll yeah. see. But we got one yeah. more super chat and we got to wrap up. All right. Uh, and it was Andre Henry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really, really generous. All of you guys have been really awesome. Thank you so much for the super chats. It really, really helps us keep the show going. Uh, Andre Henry wants to know, uh, hey, coach and combo, what are your thoughts on blowing up Lakers and Celtics? Um, well, we already kind of talked about the Celtics. I think that they should blow them up. They should trade Marcus Smart. They should trade Jalen Brown. And they're probably going to have a new coach. Uh, and then they're going to probably just sort of see what happens to Tatum building around him. If they can reload real quick, great. Um, you know, the East is still ripe. There's still opportunities to take that the East if they want to, if they can figure that out. Now, 
the Lakers, um, actually, we talked about that, right? We talked about the trading AD. Right? That's what I would do. What about you? Would you do that? I would definitely think about it. The problem is it's hard to do a f- full blow-up when you have LeBron still playing. That is true. That is true. Yeah. But I would. I would. <laughs> I would trade AD and, you know, obviously you trade him for an, an all-star or two, whatever it is you get, like, you know, if you can't get that deal and you don't do it, but uh, you, you get somebody great back in return. So at least there, it's like a little, you know, that helps you now, but you probably don't get a great big man in return. So that's the that's only the- problem you have to get. You need to get someone that can give you like 70 some percent of AD's production and then a great, you know, uh, score. You need, you need, I mean, everybody talks about how, you know, the big man is more obsolete than ever, but you need them to play basketball, like in the NBA. So it's not like you could trade AD and not get a big back. I, I totally agree with you, but that's a good question, Andre. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the offseason. Yeah, but I, th- I think that, I, we, I think the Celtics do. I think they're going to do something. And the Lakers, it's probably 50 50, but uh, depending on what kind of deal they can put together. But I would take a really, if I were uh, Palenka, I would take a really long look at that if they got some offers for AD uh, and really consider it, uh, you know. Now you have to deal with LeBron too. And if LeBron um, it would agree to it, because I think he would probably get sign off on it as well. Uh, and that's an interesting question. But uh, so that's why it would have to be a splashy, you know, something splashy. But if anybody could do it, uh, the Lakers could. Palenka saved his job getting to the Western Conference Finals, shaking up the roster with those moves at the trade deadline. Rightfully so. Absolutely. Uh, what yeah. he did there by addition, addition and subtraction was huge and, uh, and, and got them as far as they got, uh, as far as they probably could have gotten. So, well, I think we've gotten as far as we can go. Uh, it's late for you. It's getting yeah. late for me. I got this damn video and I haven't even eaten all day. But uh, Combo, thanks so much for hanging out with us uh, and, uh, and staying up late. Anytime, Coach Nick. And everybody in the Super Chats, I can't thank you enough. It's The, the list is almost – it's already too long. But you know, you know who you are. Uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow after the game four of uh, what is probably going to be a sweep uh, between the Ooh. Heat and the Celtics. And um, we will still find out how, how accurate that is. But don't forget, sports fans, the B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo?